Welcome to Showcase Broadcast Studio, where we give businesses an opportunity to market their products or services to the world. Thank you and welcome to subscribers um, of my broadcast and to our viewers and listeners for the podcast that will be launched after this. Thank you for joining today um, to Showcase Broadcast Studios. My name is Michael Wardy. Certified Financial Planner and Regional Director at Source Advisors. And I am excited and honored. I'm going to say honored, Arthur, to have you in studio. Um, we had met through LinkedIn and the education that you've given me, which I want to share, not everything, but some of the things that you and I have spoken with, in particular about um, cybersecurity and the threats that are out there and some of the things that you're doing for your clients as well to help do everything you possibly can for uh, protecting. So welcome, Arthur. Thank you. A great pleasure to finally be doing this broadcast after a few <laughs> delays. Uh, a great pleasure. Thank you. And we did run into a couple of hurdles, but we're here. We are here and we are live. So that's the wonderful thing for our subscribers and users and viewers out there. If you do have questions, comments, thoughts, go ahead and post them in whatever um, uh, system you're using and we'll try and get to those. We do have a couple of people that I have asked questions already that they emailed me earlier in the week and they said, hey, can you ask Arthur this? And so we're going to try and get to all the questions we can. Before we do that, Arthur, I just want to give an introduction of you and your background. Some of it, I'm really going to rely on you to share who you are and how you got into this business. But I know you, you graduated from MIT with two degrees, one in mathematics, one in chemistry. And for a period of time, you were in finance. Yes. Then you made the transition over to technology. And I thought the story that you shared, I, I was hoping, I'm hoping that you can share the story of how you transitioned into it. Because it's not the normal, um, it's, it's not, I didn't think that was a normal transition and an interesting it one. So. It wasn't. Uh, the abridged version is that at the time, well, first of all, in, I, in 87, I was one of the first 3,000 people on the internet, primarily as like a hobbyist. And I thought with email, and I thought this was going to be fabulous, because as a futures broker, trader, and analyst, communications was always a big, very important thing. And at once upon a time, I used to have phone bills the size of phone numbers. So anything that could cut communications cost was always innately interesting. So in 89, my middle brother had become ill. I'm one of three. And he was a, he's a, he was a computer technologist. He's, he's evolved, gone beyond that. Uh, and he had developed a speech recognition board and software for this is very early on, 89, nearly continuous speech recognition, speaker independent, and asked for my help to market it and for fun financing. So I took a look at this. I hadn't even used a PC. We were using mini, a mini computer system and said, this is very interesting. I'm going to do this. My brokerage biz had hit a speed bump in the meantime from some large clients changing direction, no fault of our own. So it was 
a decision whether I should limp along in brokerage trying to turn things around or turn off the lights and throw myself into this. And I decided, you see, oh, as an important aside, one of the mistakes entrepreneurs make is something I call feeding the beast. That means having a money losing proposition and continuing to bankrupt yourself to keep it alive in the hopes that it will turn around. One of my expertise, areas of great expertise is knowing when and how to take a loss. That uh, took years to develop. <laughs> Painful experience, strong stories to share with others. Yes. So I threw 500 grand of my own money. I'm, I'm the venture capitalist in chief plus a, year, a little over a year of my life at no pay, zero pay, proving there was no market for speech recognition. What you're using when you speak to Siri, I was demoing an early example in 1989, 88, 89. So I turned off the lights on that and I was asking, being asked by friends for, for help, technical support help. And in order to do the speech recognition thing, I taught myself all about PCs and software and everything. And for me, it was very easy. My mind is organized. It's as if they wrote this stuff personally for me. So it was not a big intellectual exercise to make the, the transition and yeah. pick up another area of expertise. So in 89, I opened up Quantalytics and started answering requests for support. And I thought to myself, networking, we've got to do networking because this is going to be big. And this internet is going to be huge. I had a failure of imagination there. It was much bigger than I ever imagined. And I got on my hands and knees and begged people. I was early. And that meant I starved. That's another thing yeah. about being an entrepreneur. Timing. Luck. As we say in Yiddish, mazel is key. Uh, so the first year and a half, I literally starved. I literally was on my hands and knees begging people to connect their PCs. This was back in the days of sneaker net zip drives things you see in a museum now uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then connecting them to this thing called the internet and of course eventually it flourished and early on i was concerned about security because at mit we have a culture of hacking it's benign but i saw the but i come from the futures industry where it is the most darwinian form of business education in the world yeah it's not quarterly or weekly. It's mark to market, second by second. Yeah. So it is far more brutal. Uh, so I was always concerned about security and wound up doing in DOS 3.1 and it, my first installation of McAfee 1.0 to give you an idea of how far back I go. <laughs> McAfee for DOS. So it's always been on my mind. Sure. And I've watched the situation, as I expected, continue to deteriorate. So eight years ago, I began an internal project here to develop our own line of network security appliances using an early version of what's known as a system on a chip, a SOC board. And okay. it took almost seven years of development. Again, self-funded. I'm the venture capitalist in chief. I, I, I've always, if I believe in it, it's a family trait in our family. We go in all in, like they say in Texas. <laughs> uh, Michael's in Texas. Uh, and now we offer 
this line of radical network security appliances at radical prices. And here we are today providing these and related consulting services because it is a plague like COVID that is getting far worse. It, it, it is. It, let me let me ask you this. With protection, cybersecurity protection and the threats that are going on, have you guys seen since people have moved to remote, have you seen an increase in those hacks, in those challenges? It's a two-part question. But then also, Arthur, are, are companies recognizing that and beefing up their security? Not enough of them are recognizing it and doing the beef up. They may recognize it, but they're falling short on the execution. And yes, there's been a huge increase. I don't know if your readers are aware of the hacking of the Metro Washington, D.C. Police Department and the data dump that's going on, including things like ongoing investigations of dirty policemen. Uh, that's a topic for another time. But yeah. I'm here I'm here not to talk about the fancy appliances. I'm talking about, I want to talk about fundamentals. You know, every sport has its fundamentals. Yeah. Blocking, tackling, pitching, catching, doesn't matter the sport. Right. And where small businesses fail, and even very large ones fail, is in three fundamentals, just three. Uh, as a rhetorical question, when you leave your house in the morning to go shopping or to go to work, do you not lock the door and make sure the windows are locked? Typically the answer is yes, unless you're fortunate enough to live in Mayberry in 1955. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, the think of the internet as the street, the sidewalk running by your house, where your house is your website, your email, your DNS. DNS is what you use when you type yahoo.com and like magic on your browser screen, the web page appears. That's the process behind the scenes that translates to the computers, the words yahoo, the word yahoo.com into something that you can use. Because computers okay. don't speak English, they only speak numbers. Right. So there are three fundamental things that can be done for email. Talk about email first. The biggest route in is phishing. PH, not F. Right. All right. And the weakest link is the human being. So there is a process to harden email using things called SPF, DKIM, and DMARC. Don't worry. We can talk about it. You can Google it. I've written articles on LinkedIn about it. If you implement all three of these or have your IT person or whoever you deal with implement all three of these for your email, then you'll be immunized against 99.99% of phishing attacks. So your people, you, you will never even see these phishing emails. And if you do, it'll be very, very rare. Now, yeah. you should know I've been a target for years of spear phishing by various governments. I have made enemies not of this government, but in other places. They okay. are aware of my work and they would love to take me down. So, <laughs> so I have been living, uh, yes, I'm paranoid, but I know they're out there. <laughs> no, I am. Uh, so our people practically never, when I say practically never, once every six months, eight months, nine months, one of them will slip through because it's carefully enough composed. And the latest 
by the way, is not to have you click on a link, but to make a phone call back so that they can try orally rather than in writing socially engineer you. Yeah. So you by taking care of these 12 letters, SPF, DKIM, and DMARC, D-M-A-R-C, you've cut off a major route. Now, let's talk about the web. Everybody has a website, by and large. If you have a search function on it or a contact me page, for yours truly, those are marked entrance, not exit, but entrance into your right. world. So how can we harden a website? There is something called HTTP headers that was founded by the Mozilla Foundation. They're free. If these are, and these are not typically implemented because the people who develop websites are security deficient in terms of their knowledge. It, it, what happened was a, a divorce, a silo between development and security. We're trying over time, the whole development field to combine the two, but what's happened essentially for millions of websites is insufficient security. So for example, the most popular kind of attack is something called cross scripting. That's where I can write a little program and use my web browser. I don't even have to go and get any fancy tools and post it, force it into your website and have your website run it. And lo and behold, you are pawned, as we say, P-W-N-E-D. We own you and your website. Oh, yeah. And obviously, we're not caring about, no offense to any dog groomers out there, we're not interested in pawning a dog groomer's website to harvest their customer information, unless they've got a very unusual clientele. But right. we are interested in financial ones. To quote the late Willie Sutton, a notorious bank robber of the early 20th century, when asked why did he rob banks, his classic answer is, that's where the money is. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> if you're going to do it, if you're going to go, go big. Go big. Well, that, and that's what the North Koreans do. They criminally steal money under the sanctions of their government. Uh, the North Koreans used to be the biggest counterfeiters and expert counterfeiters of American money. And that's dried up as a source of income as more people use cards and other cashless methods of payment. Right. Uh, so they switched. They have an army of 9,000 people. 9,000 people who go to work every day with one job, steal. Wow. Yes, it is that well, bad. And this, is, and, this is, and this is with their permission. Uh, this is with the sponsorship of, of Kim Jong-un. Russia. Putin and pals is what we call them around here. Uh, Putin and pals don't directly get their hands dirty. They use right. a group called Apt29, Dancing Bear, to do their dirty work. And they're the ones that you are behind, uh, for example, efforts to manipulate our elections. Effort so and, and their job also is to steal certain information. They upstream to Putin and pals. And also they pay tribute in order to be protected, or as they say in Russian, protexia. Uh, so you've got those two. You've got China, which cheats. The only way to describe it is China cheats. Now, one of the things we do here, which we do not advertise, but I will tell your audience, is we practice geo-blocking at our website as well. 
In other words, we ban certain IP address families. So no one from China, no one from Russia, no one from North Korea, no one from Iran, uh, to give you an idea, can access our site unless they make, unless they go through some contortions like a VPN connection from somewhere else. But natively from their homelands, no. And this is a good form of security also, and not hard to implement depending on who's managing your website. So if you're a dog groomer, and again, no offense to anybody who's a dog groomer, you should we practice geo. Groomers. Yes, we should practice geo blocking. In other words, you don't need to hear from somebody from China trying to fish you or or get into your or your network. You don't care about those folks. They're never going to be customers. Never, ever, ever. Uh, North Korea, they're never going to be a customer of your business. So geo blocking is another part of, of web security. Now, the third one's a little more complex, DNSSEC. That means that your DNS is secure and no one can do what's known as a man in the middle attack. Man in the middle means they can set up using freely available software on GitHub, something called a proxy, and intercept in real time everything sent to and from your website or your email or any other type of internet traffic. And what you can do is set up what we call an evil twin. What is an evil twin? A lookalike. Yeah. You can copy all the elements of a banking page and create your own that looks exactly like it because it's using the real graphics. But instead, use it as a way to harvest credentials. So, and, and so, the, our DNSSEC is excellent if you're if you have especially for financial people because again the Willie Sutton model that's where the money is and yeah anything else sensitive really sensitive like law firms you don't want uh, your 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 cases your settlements your confidential divorce work whatever spilled yeah. over the internet or used uh, this locks it down and blocks it period so these three basics should be in first before you do anything fancy with appliances or anything else. Lock the front in? door, lock the windows. How are, they, how are they getting in? So you talked about the three ways to prevent it. Is, phishing, is it email, phishing? phishing emails are, it's so easy. Uh, also, we I, can I give a small plug to a company we like that provides free training videos? Absolutely. There's a company called Wiser Training, if you Google it, W-I-Z-E-R Training. And they okay. have a, a free program and a paid one. And, and they have these little 60-second training videos. And we have the, our clients do the free ones uh, in order to sensitize people and then also to have them do a refresher every six months so that people stay alert. Right. So... Because phishing is, is a major problem, especially if you don't have uh, SPF, DKIM, and DMARC enabled. Then you've left the door open for them to try. Close the door and you don't even see it. Leave the door open, then you and whoever else is using your company's email is potentially exposed. So that's so email. Go ahead, you have a choice. You have a choice. Either fix it by implementing what we call the 12 letters, those three yeah. things, or leave it open 
and make sure your people are always sitting on the edge of their chair as they open up email attachments. I mean, that's, that, that's the thing is that when you have a company of 50, 60, 70, however many people, you can train them, but at some point, somebody's going to click on something that they, they should not have clicked on. We and call it's, that the it's oops moment around here. What's that? We call that the oops moment around here. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I stopped opening emails altogether. I just figured, you know, I'd rather be safe than sorry. <laughs> I call people more now than ever before. Um, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I feel better about it. Plus, it's nice to talk. Um, you and I had talked about SOAR and QSOAR, and I wanted to get into that. I know we're getting towards the, end, the bottom of the hour, but I wanted to make sure that we touch on that because this, in our conversations and just the protection and sensitivity, everything that goes into protecting a company is so important. I wanted to help our audience understand what is SOAR and QSOAR and how it's, how it's transforming threat intelligence. SOAR is an acronym for Security Orchestration and Response. QSOAR is built on software, it's an appliance, it's the palm of your hand, that incorporates something called Cortex, which is an engine, and something called the Hive, which is management. And it reads and processes what we call playbooks of which there are over 12,000 available as open source and you can either edit those or have your own written. The idea is that it automates functions. So it acts as at the speed of ethernet while human beings are still running around like headless chickens trying <coughs> to figure out what to do. In other words, the playbook will disconnect a computer from the internet as an example, if something goes south so that uh, disconnected from the rest of the network if something goes south, so that it doesn't become the ransomware source for the rest of a network. It will oh. send an alert so that at 3 a.m. you can bother somebody to look into something suspicious. It, the idea is it automates a lot of what people now spend time and effort and money worrying about using a human security operations center or a managed security service provider. It automates a lot of these functions so that, again, reaction time is cut to microseconds compared to, oh, what do we do? Where do we start? Let's take out our plan, our, our disaster plan. Oh, yeah, now we have to turn to Chapter 3, Paragraph 2. Yeah. There's none, none of that flipping through the disaster recovery, which I might add, you should have. Right. One of the other things we recommend, by the way, is thumb drives are cheap and plentiful. If you've got hosting your own servers, put them on a server and just make somebody responsible for backing up the server to the thumb drive and then disconnecting the thumb drive and putting it in a drawer or somewhere safe offline so that if you're hit, you have an offline backup. Because if you're hit with ransomware, they will contaminate your backups. They'll contaminate your Windows restore points, if not delete them. They will make your lives miserable and demand big chunks of Bitcoin to try to give to, to force you to pay up. It's unbelievable. 
And, and so, okay, so let me, let me ask Cheap technology, cheap technology, thumb drives. You can buy them by the fistful. Oh, yeah. As we say in, in Yiddish, bubkis for nothing. It compared, is. Compared to the cost of recovering from that oops moment. So I found this interesting. Um, I was I went and got my eyes checked a couple of weeks ago, and I had a scan of my eyes, and they said if you want, uh, the, the, if you want a download of it, bring in your thumb drive, and we'll download onto your thumb drive, and that way you can save it. And I asked her, I go, you'll let somebody come in from off the street, and get have an appointment, and then give you a thumb drive. Couldn't they have a thumb drive and have it like contaminate their their whole system? I was yes. shocked. I yes. was shocked that they would do that. A lot of anti the, of the latest versions of antivirus software will automatically scan a, a newly inserted thumb drive, but it is risky. And before, and if I and if somebody were to insert one, I would want to run a manual scan to make sure. But our process, we we use them for our OT operations technology networks. These are ones that are divorced from the internet. Okay. Part of our upgrading process is via thumb drive, and our systems first reformat the thumb drive, even if we've supplied it, reformat it from scratch to wipe out any possible infection before adding the upgrade files. But that's a bit more than most people can do. Uh, your right. ophthalmologist is well-intentioned, but instead I would uh, say to them, why don't you encrypt it? and email it and just tell the person or text the person the decryption password yeah that's all that's all this way no need to handle anything physical so you're more efficient right off the bat and you're hipaa compliant you're using encryption so you stay out of out of hipaa's way and all the software is for free yeah <laughs> it, it, was, it was surprising so, Arthur, with Quantalytics, where do you guys come in in helping businesses? What type of businesses would our rely on you? Is a, our practices across the board, you name it, including governmental. Uh, because when the phone rings here, it means that they've exhausted the easy solution. <laughs> they've had their... <laughs> well, we've been in business for 31 years, and... Yeah. Uh, we don't compete with the geek squad. I mean, we'll do geek squad type work. We don't decline work because we, we want to make sure people are serviced. But yeah. that's not when they think Quantalytics, they don't think, ah, I'm going to call these guys to install a new printer in my office. Everybody's right. already set up with their own local sources for that. This is, we've got a problem. What do we do? Or we'd like to head off our problem. So, for example, we do implement for clients, SPF, DKIN, and DMARC, if asked. We do do DNSSEC. Of course, we supply our appliances and support them. We have yeah. about 17 different ones that do different parts of the network security ecosystem. They're designed to be interchangeable with other, with what we call the incumbents. So if you've got parts of the infrastructure from Cisco, that happily works with ours, et cetera, et cetera, with all the incumbents. We're like Switzerland. We're neutral. We work with everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's what 
that's what it means to call here. I mean, I cheerfully answer questions. I, I always give the first 15 minutes free. We chalk it up to marketing, goodwill. That's fair. Because That's we want we want people to be secure. We want an end to the slow destruction of the value of the internet. Right. If you so, get buried by spam, you stop using email. That's why spam filtering became so important because it yeah. made email unusable. If you get buried by phishing attacks and find you can no longer afford remediation, you'll go back to fax. It's safe. You get it, you can read it, you can throw it out or do whatever, or file it. Um, industry, so I was I was talking, a couple weeks ago, I was talking with a company in, they're in the West Coast, and small manufacturer, um, but they were putting in some new systems. What would Quantalytics, what would you guys say they needed to incorporate into their systems to protect? The very first thing, Here's a question the audience should ask themselves. Can they produce an inventory of all their system, all their infrastructure, IT infrastructure and or OT infrastructure? In other words, can they produce an inventory that shows a device, its IP address, its MAC address? Can it produce an inventory of all the network services running, like a print server running on a printer? Your printer is actually a computer in disguise. It's got a built-in yeah. web server, and that's yeah. how you log into it to see those ink levels and clean the print heads if it's inkjet and paper and whatever else is going on. All right. So, and if it's and yes, you can hack a printer and turn it into a, a, a platform, a workstation to go after the rest of the network. So, do you have the ability to even know what you've got? My bet is for most of your audience, you won't be able to produce an accurate automated inventory of what you've got both in terms of hardware and these network services, aka you can think of it as software. The second so, thing is intrusion detection. Do you wait, have an intrusion detection system? Yeah. So when you say take an inventory, your hardware, that's your computer, your phone, your printer, all that. That's pretty easy. Surveillance system. Surveillance systems. Okay. Credit card machine. Okay. Automated cash register. Uh, All that. Everything and more. What about your when you were talking about your software? That's and... the services. The services. What are they running? So that you can, if if there's no security alert, you won't be caught okay. backwarded. I got Do it. Do I have it or not? Got it. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure I understood. Another, by the way, another best practices is after you've got an accurate inventory, have somebody once a month look for updates and apply them because now you'll know what to look for. <laughs> yep. So updates and, are and patch update religiously, religiously. <laughs> have an update holiday one day a month, a new holiday to be added to the calendar. <laughs> I, I like that holiday. Do we get Patch do we get day. off for it? Yes, but not beyond what Microsoft does and Apple does. I'm saying for all, everything, for everything. Yeah. So you stay patched. You also reduce the opportunity for a hacker to get you. You've closed the holes, locked the doors. So that's the very first thing: is the ability to inventory. 
and intrusion detection system. That's the burglar alarm for networks. Not perfect. Okay. Not perfect. You can they can be evaded. That's why these companies do get hacked. Many of them already do have it. But something is better than just leaving the door wide open and a red carpet thrown out saying, come on in, guys. Help yeah. yourselves. So and so that was our first product, by the way, our QBox, short for Quantalytics, combines Nagios, which is an inventorying package, and Snort, which is what the person who developed it called, uh, which is intrusion detection and which Cisco now owns, but it's still also open source. I want your audience to try to imagine uh, the development. Most of the development team happens to be Orthodox Jewish, uh, not Israeli, but American. But mm -hmm. so if you can imagine a bunch of Orthodox Jews sitting around talking about snort and pulled pork, which is a component, <laughs> a component of this. <laughs> I would love to be in that room. <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> That's why I'm mentioning it. This was genu genuinely a humorous moment in an otherwise not so funny field. So, but but that's a that's a great place to start. Can you do an inventory? Yeah. Can you? Can I? Do you have any surprises? That little device tucked away in the corner, or that system you thought was turned off last year? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could probably just in my home because I know when we we've talked in the past, you do one for your business. Uh, the company does one. Could I do one in my home? You should. <laughs> I should. I absolutely should. But there's I mean, so many things, and my yes. kids, my kids have their stuff that they use, that they broke, that they don't use. You need to put a handle on what's attached to your network. And by the way, that can include your stove, your washing machine, your dryer, refrigerator. All those things now are actually computers in disguise. Yeah. Your door open, garage door opener, your sprinkler system, if you've got one. Think about all those things that have, that you've connected through your nice Wi-Fi connection and you've got your app on your phone. Every single one of those devices is a security risk if you don't keep it patched. So one last question. I know we passed the half hour, so thank you for staying on a little Sorry. bit longer. We have a network and our kids, their friends come over and they get onto our Wi-Fi. Bad idea, doesn't matter. What are your thoughts? Modern equipment allows you to set up a guest network. So you okay. have two Wi-Fi networks, one that's for what we did. the family, and then the guest one, and that's isolated. So they can have be infected up to the gills, and it won't matter to you. Okay, good. So no matter how close the relative, put them on the guest network. Yeah. Trust nothing, verify everything, but trust nothing and no one. When it comes yeah. to cybersecurity, because they can be hacked and not know it and be like typhoid Mary, unwitting transmitters. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's exactly what we did. We set up a separate one for anybody that wants to come over, hang out. It's an easy one to get. They and when they come over, we see that they get on and then they when they leave, it goes off. And I'd rather have it that way. So thank you for that confirmation. I feel better about that. Are there we barely scratched the surface on all this. And I know that it would take hours. So with your permission, I would definitely like to have you back for another round um, and continue to do this because this information, obviously it's invaluable and helping everybody stay protected uh, is so important because ultimately it 
it flows through to each of us. So if we protect ourselves, we're protecting the world and it's, it's important. And it's disturbing when you hear about these groups that are out there trying to hack and that's their life and livelihood is to hurt people. That's, that's not, I don't like that. So I think for in general, most people don't, but Arthur, thank you. If people have more questions, I have your email scrolling across the bottom, acarp at quantalytics.com, Q-U-A-N-T-A-L-Y-T-I-C-S.com. Um, reach out to Arthur, incredible wealth of information. Uh, Quantalytics has been around, you guys have been around for 30, 31st year now. Thir happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. But just keep in mind, those first two years, we starved. We begged and starved. You, you have your <laughs> it world. It was a 31 year overnight success. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. For our audience, make sure that you subscribe to um, my YouTube channel so you can continue to get notified, to be notified, I should say, when we have new broadcasts coming out for the podcast. Thank you for listening. Please make sure to subscribe and click like and give us a good rating so that we can continue to do great work and have excellent guests like Arthur back in our uh, studio and more to come, more to come with new, uh, new guests, uh, continue guests, repeat guests. We're going to be doing that as well. Some new, uh, uh, some, some new broadcasts coming out in the next couple of months. That'll be a lot of fun that uh, we're putting together. So it's more to come on that. Thank you again, Arthur, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate See you it. Around. Take care.